Well, there was a period of my life where about every summer I would take a trip down a river. And sometimes that meant going to Tennessee to do some whitewater. Other times that meant going to Missouri to canoe down a couple of different rivers. And there was one summer, uh, my buddies and I, we were in high school, we took this canoe trip down the 11 Point River in Missouri. Uh, And and I love canoeing because it's kind of leisurely. And if you want to get out and just kind of explore a little bit, if you see something you want to hike up to, you can. It's not like whitewater where you're just kind of at the mercy of the waves. And so we were going down this river and we came to this sandbar and there were huge bluffs on both sides. And you felt like you were kind of in this little canyon. And so we did what any high school age boy would do. We decided we were going to climb these bluffs as high as we could. And so we, we got on this one and there was this path that had kind of been worn on it where it looked like other people had the same idea. And so we went as high as this took us. It was about 30, 40 feet up in the air. And then we stopped because that's where the path ended. And most of my friends turned around and they headed back down to the ground because they had sense. But there was this little ridge that went across the face of this bluff. It was maybe about that wide. And there was something on the other side. I don't even remember what it was, but there was something there that made me think, I need to get over there. And so I very foolishly decided I was just going to try to get across this skinny ridge. I put my body up against the rock and I started to shimmy. And I got about halfway across And something gave just enough that I kind of lost my balance. And I started to lean back a little bit. And I started to kind of wave my arms the way that you do. And then against my better judgment, I looked over my shoulder. Now, the rational part of my brain said, this is a bad idea. This is only going to make things worse. And it was right. Because I looked down, and it looked like I might as well have been on the side of a skyscraper. I was so high up, my arms started spinning so fast. It looked like a twin prop plane ready for takeoff. And I don't know if it was the inertia or the grace of God that day or what, but I regained my balance enough that I just hugged that edifice like it was the lost long, a long-lost friend. And I just kind of shimmied back down, and I put my feet on solid ground the way God intended people to live. And all of this happened just so quick. I didn't really have time to process it. But when I got back in the canoe, it was like this, this wave of nausea just punched me in the stomach as I realized... I could have died. Like, I I was high up in the air. There was just rocks below. Like, that thought just, like, I could have died. It was a scary thing. And, you know, that is the thing with death. It is a, a scary, scary situation. You know, if you've ever had a brush with death, you know what I'm talking about. This morning, we're wrapping up this series called Bump in the Night. It's been a four part series. We've talked about the stuff that, that fills our life with fear. You know, week one, we talked about the stuff in the outside world, just that stuff outside our front door that is uncontrollable and unpredictable, that stuff that just maybe makes us a little anxious or, or scares us. Then we talked about the unseen things in this world. We talked about spiritual stuff, God, judgment, heaven, hell, all these unseen forces at work in our world today. That can be kind of scary stuff. Last week, Brian did an amazing job talking about the fear of sickness and suffering. And this week, we're talking about the granddaddy of them all, the fear of death. It's a, a, a fear that seizes all of us to some level, to some extent. We all come into contact with this monster because we all have an expiration date. Every living creature on earth has to deal with this fear. So this morning, that's what we're talking about. If you want to grab your Bibles and open them up to the book of Mark chapter 5, verse 21, that's where we're going to be drawing from the, the scripture this morning. If you don't have your Bible, like a physical Bible with you, don't sweat it. You can follow along on the screens to the sides, or you can download the YouVersion Bible app on your mobile device. Follow along there. 
So Mark chapter 5, verse 21 is where we're going to start. And this is such a significant topic this morning because the fear of death is a universal condition. We all have to deal with it. And this has been the case throughout human history. Our story takes place about 2,000 years ago. And even there, people have to deal with this fear of death. Look at what I'm talking about. Mark chapter 5, verse 21. It says, When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came. And when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she'll be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. So this isn't a difficult story to understand, right? It's not hard to see the conflict here. It's not hard to identify with this Jairus character and his motivations. It's really easy to put ourselves in his shoes because this is the universal fear of death. He's suffering from it. We suffer from it. We get where he's coming from. And we experience this fear in a couple of different ways in our life. Most readily, we experience it as the fear of our own death, our own demise. And there may be some of us out there that are just big and tough and strong, say, I'm not afraid to die. You're a liar. Let me prove it to you. Real quick, how many of you wear your seatbelt when you get into a car? Okay, most of us, good. Why do you do that? It's because you want to live, right? It's because you know that there is a 45% chance, an increased chance of survival during a head-on collision if you simply click that little belt across your waist. It's not because it's fashionable or comfortable. It's because you want to live. Or this, how many of you, don't raise your hands on this one because I don't want to know, but when the tornado siren goes off, do you take shelter? Yeah, you should. And you do that because you want to live. There are some of you out there, and I don't want to know who you are. There are some of you out there, you hear that siren, and you think that's the picture alarm. It's time to go out and stand on my porch and try to snap photos of the twister. Let me tell you something. I'm from southern Illinois, okay? But even rednecks like us know better than to do that. You take shelter when you hear that siren. And if you still don't believe me, let me give you the most convincing proof of all. This right here, this is a picture of kale. Let's throw it up there. It is bitter. It's tough. It has a flavor remarkably similar to dirt. It has no business entering the human digestive system. And yet today, so many of us consume this stuff because it's, we're told it's super healthy. And really when I say this, I guess I'm preaching to the ladies more than the guys. Because fellas, I know you didn't choose to eat this, Okay. You didn't have your steak and your potato and say, you know what sounds great with this? Kale. No man has said that. You know what? And your wife, probably the same thing happened to you that happened to me. She saw a recipe on Pinterest. She said, that looks good. Then she fixed it. Ladies, it's not good. Quit with the kale. Pinterest lies all the time. But fellas, you can't really be mad about this. They do it because they care. They want you to be healthy. They want you to live as long as you can because deep down, one of their greatest fears is that someday you're going to die. And that's really the other facet of this fear of death we have to talk about. We're afraid of our own demise, but probably more so, we're afraid to lose those close to us. That's the real fear here, isn't it? Because if I die, I die. And as a person of faith, there's not a whole lot to fear about that. I got nothing but good things coming. But if somebody I care about dies, I have to go on living. And I have to deal with the fallout, and I have to deal with the emotions, and I have to deal with that separation. That's what we most oftentimes fear. 
And you look at this story, it's the same thing. Jairus isn't afraid that he's going to die. He's afraid that his little girl is going to die. This fear of death is this universal thing. We all experience it to some extent and on some level. It's something that affects all of us. Particularly in the West, we are in Western cultures, we are what we call a death-denying culture. What that means is we don't like to talk about death. We pretend that it doesn't exist. We don't deal with it until it intrudes into our lives. I was reading this study this week and prep for this sermon is about the fear of death. And one of the, the psychologists cited there was Dr. Heflick. He made this observation about our culture, and then he said something really interesting. He said, actually, in doing this, we do more harm. Because by keeping death in the shadows, we allow it to grow scarier and scarier. And that's what happens, isn't it? You think back when you were a kid, you had this fear of the boogeyman. And you weren't afraid of the boogeyman when it was bright and all the lights were on, right? It's when it was dark. It's when the shadows crept in. You couldn't see what was, what was going on. That's when your fears grew beyond control. Same thing happens with death. When we don't talk about it, when we don't face it, it just becomes scarier and scarier. And that's why this message and this story in Scripture is so important. Because this morning, Jesus is going to grab this monster by the leg and drag it into the light and show us we don't have anything to be afraid of. Because Jesus is bigger than death. Let me say that again. Jesus is bigger than death. Look back at our story. If you have a, a physical Bible, you're going to have to skip down a little bit to verse 35. It says, while Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? That's pretty final, isn't it? Your daughter is dead. There's no mistaking what that means. As much as Jairus might want to eke out some hope from these words, as much as he might want to try to find just a sliver of a bright side, you can't because dead means dead. Brian and I both, we volunteer as part of a, a chaplaincy program for the police department in town. And we were going through some training about how to uh, go along with an officer to notify somebody that somebody had died. And we were told to use very specific wording to say, so-and-so has died. Because if you say they have passed away, they're no longer with us, they didn't make it, there's just something about human instinct. We will try to find just the tiniest sliver of hope and grab onto it because we don't want to accept the reality. But dead means dead. Everybody knows that. Everybody except for Jesus, it seems. Because look at what he has to say. Verse 36, it says, Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, Don't be afraid. Just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And when they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? The child's not dead, but asleep. We gotta ask ourselves a question every once in a while when Jesus says stuff like this Is he crazy? And I'm not saying that in, in a comical way. I mean, legitimately, we have to ask this question because listen to what he just said. Here is this guy who just lost his daughter. He's trying to process this. He's trying to grapple with this and, and just kind of accept that this is the new way things are. There's people wailing all over the place. Obviously, people have seen what happens. And Jesus looks at this mourning father and says, don't be afraid. Just believe. She's not dead. She's just asleep. Some of the stuff that Jesus says sometimes would be crazy 
unless it's true. Look at how the story goes on. Verse 40, it says, But they laughed at him. And after he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him, and he went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talithakum, which means, Little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. And at this they were completely astonished. And he gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this. And he told them to give her something to eat. Dead is supposed to mean dead, right? So why is she up walking around? And why is she eating a meal? Something's just happened in this story that goes against everything we thought we knew about life and death and the laws of nature. Like, this is kind of an incredible story. And maybe we might say, okay, this was a little girl. There's a lot of commotion. All this happened really quickly. Maybe she just had shallow breathing. Maybe she fell into a coma. Maybe she's young. She could bounce back out of that. And that might satisfy this story, if not for the fact that this would happen again a little later in Jesus' life. And this time it wasn't a little girl who had been dead for an hour or so. It was a man who had been dead for four days. We heard about it earlier in our communion time. Jesus goes to his friend Lazarus' house. Lazarus has been dead for four days. His body is decomposing. In fact, in the passage it says that he stinks. They're worried about the aroma when Jesus says, open up the tomb. He's wrapped in spices and linen. He has been placed in this tomb. He's been there dead as a doornail for four days until Jesus gets there. And says, Lazarus, come out. And I love the way the book of John describes what happens next. In chapter 11, verse 44, it says, the dead man came out. And i got to stop and ask, why does it say it that way? Why does it say the dead man came out? Because he's obviously not dead. He walked out of the tomb. And i got to think to myself that it's possible that what we're looking at here is the Bible poking fun at and teasing death. Which sounds crazy, right? Because death is supposed to be this monster. It's supposed to be this unconquerable foe. It's supposed to be one of the most terrifying things we'll ever deal with in life. It's supposed to be this thing in charge that we all have to deal with. And yet here's the Bible poking fun of it and teasing it. There's a tension happening here, okay? And it all comes down to what we believe. I think Jesus maybe was onto something when he said, don't be afraid, just believe. Because we believe all of this stuff about death, and because of that, it terrifies us. But what if believing in Jesus and everything he tells us about life was just as powerful and just as real and just as binding? Would we still have reason to be afraid if we really believed what he had done and what he promises he will do in us? Maybe in 99.999% of scraps, death came out on top. But there was one embarrassing defeat that it suffered not that long ago because this man Jesus was crucified. He was dead, and dead means dead. He was stabbed with a spear. Blood and water came out his side. You don't walk away from that. He was wrapped in linens. He was put in a tomb. But on the third day, he said, I'm done being dead. And he got up. And he said, I'm taking the crown, and I sit on the throne, and I hold the keys. You guys, we are afraid because we have believed the lie that death is king. But Jesus has taken the throne. There is no reason to be afraid of the monster that's been exposed and defeated. It all comes down to what you actually believe about life, death, and Jesus. Not yet, man. We got more. 
What do you know? It all comes down to what we believe about life, death, and Jesus. And it really, I mean, it doesn't matter what kind of fear we're talking about either. If you're talking about the fear of your own death, belief really is the key to overcoming that fear. Book of Romans, chapter 10, verse 9. This is what it says. It says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There's two things in here, okay? The first is if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. What does it mean to call Jesus Lord? That's not just a term that we use because it sounds good. There's a lot of depth to that term. In the Old Testament, the Greek word here, kurios, it was used to describe God. And so this is a term of divinity. When we say Jesus is Lord, we say he is the Son of God. But it's more than that, too. This is a term of authority, The Caesar of Rome, the emperor of that whole empire, he wanted to be called kurios, Lord, because it was a word that meant power. It was a word that meant kingship. It was a word for a ruler. When we say Jesus is Lord, we're not just saying we believe he's the divine son of God. We're saying he is the divine son of God in power on the throne, that he is king and death is not. And when you confess that Jesus is Lord, and what does it say? You believe in your heart, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There is nothing to be afraid of when you believe the truth, when you stop believing the lie that death is king, and you start recognizing the reality that Jesus sits on the throne. Maybe we're talking about the, the fear of losing others, too. This belief has power over that fear as well. There was a time in the church's history where people were asking this question, what happens to people in Christ who die. Like, what happens? Will I see them again? It was that fear of death they were worried about. In the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, that question gets answered. It says, brothers and sisters, we don't want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring Jesus with Jesus, those who have fallen asleep in him. It all is a matter of what you believe. Do you really believe that death is this unconquerable foe? Do you really believe that that's the end? Some of us might say, well, yeah, I've been there. I've seen people die. I've seen the grief. I've lost people, and I have too. But i got to ask you, is that really the end of the movie that we saw, or is that just intermission? Maybe the credits are still to come. That story's not over yet. Because Jesus, he died. He was put in a tomb. He was wrapped up in linens. He stayed there for three days, but that wasn't the end of the story. He was raised back to life. And that's how God has promised to treat all those in Christ as well, if you just believe this truth of who he is and what he's done. Death is not this monster to be terrified of. It just comes down to what you believe. You know, we, we see death as this beast We see it as inescapable, and when you think that, of course you're terrified. Of course that's scary. That belief has power in our lives. Why shouldn't our belief in Christ have just as much power? Why shouldn't our belief in what he's done have just as much impact in who we are and how we live? Because if this is true, if this really happened, if Jesus really did say, I am the resurrection and the life, anyone who believes in me will live even though they die, And those who live in me and believe will never really die. If that's all true, we have nothing to be afraid of. God has already shown us he can raise the dead back to life. 
He showed us in the ministry of Jesus when he raised a little girl. He showed us in the ministry of Jesus when he raised Lazarus. He showed us in Jesus himself when Christ was raised back to life, never to die again. Death is not king, church. There's nothing to be afraid of. This boogeyman has been exposed. And when you realize that, and when you really believe it, when that belief has seized your heart, when it has filled your life, when you understand who it is you serve and who he is, you don't need to live in fear. You can walk out these doors into this world and live a life of boldness. Because the worst thing that could ever happen to you in this life is that you die and go to live eternally with God who loves you and has promised you a paradise. That sounds really bad, doesn't it? The worst thing that could ever happen is that we suffer for a little bit and live in glory forever. You don't need to be afraid. You have every right and reason to have courage in this world. Courage to stand up for what is true and for what is right. To say Jesus is king and he's the only word I'm going to follow. Culture might tell me one thing. Our world might tell me one thing. But I know the truth. Because there's only one person who's defeated death. His name is Jesus and he's the one on the throne. You have every reason to walk out this door. And to share this news with this world. Because there are people out there who don't know. Who are terrified of death. Because it still has power over their life. These are the people that need to know. These are the people that need to know that death's days are numbered. That there is a true king. That he is good and kind. That he is generous and gracious. Do you believe this? That's not a rhetorical question, church. Do you believe this? Then live like you believe it. Walk out of these doors and be a light in this dark world. Live your life with grace because you know eternity is way too long to hold a grudge. Live your life with courage because you know there is nothing that can tear you away or separate you from this king of kings. Live your life in such a way that you speak the gospel and all you do and all you say and with every embrace that this dark world might see the light and might possibly by chance come to know there is nothing to be afraid of. That our God reigns. That he is on the throne. That he is in control. And if you believe it, make sure they know. This morning, if this is a belief that you have come to accept for yourself, we're going to sing a song in a minute and I want to invite you to come forward and to make that belief known. And you might be saying, I don't, I don't want to go in front of people. You know, I, I don't want to embarrass myself. I don't, I don't, I'm timid. Just stop. Stop being afraid. This is a room full of people that love you, that want you to take this step, that want to encourage you and embrace you because you've taken the greatest step from death to life that you will ever take. It's a step in saying, I believe in this Jesus and I will follow him with my life. Don't be afraid. Just believe. God, we thank you for today and we thank you for what you've done. Sometimes the message is weak and it's faltering, but your gospel is not. It is true. It is powerful. It is life. It is the news that death is defeated, that fear is abolished, that we are not slaves to fear anymore. Father, we believe in what you've done. We believe in who you are. We believe in the life that you have promised to give. We praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen.